That's no BS. Brad Parker, recording artist, songwriter, producer, and clearly musician, uh, once vice president of the National Academy of Songwriters, sharing the stage with people like, get this, Bo Diddley, Cindy Lauper, Michael Bolton, Brenda Russell, Greg Allman, Johnny Rivers, Eddie Money, Dan Vogelberg, Robert Cray, and the list goes on and on. Has written songs with Paul Williams, Barry Mann, again, a list that goes on and on. Deb Greco began performing at the age of seven. Oh, my goodness. And has been performing ever since. Has done all sorts of things, from opera to pop music to rock and roll music to the blues, uh, primarily playing ukulele, playing other instruments as well. And I welcome you both to WGN Radio. How you doing, guys? Pretty Hi, good. Steve. How are you? <laughs> I am well, thank you. As I blow through the biography, but the thing is, there are lots of musicians out there, I'd argue most musicians, whose names people don't know necessarily, or groups even like No BS. Now, listen, you have your following. Songs are available, including on the new CD, No Solution, anywhere music is sold. So it's not that you're that you're a secret. However, is it frustrating or is it kind of a blessing in disguise that greatly people, I mean, you don't have the caravan of fans following you necessarily. You have your fans, but not following you like they are. I don't know, the performers that uh, sell out all the time. You don't have those issues necessarily in quite the same way. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that, Brad? Um, the, the only thing I didn't get in my career was fame. And I'm convinced now that that was the one thing I didn't need because I've worked with a lot of famous people. And the problem, uh, for instance, I love making music as much today as when I first started at eight years old. It's the same thrill. It's the same thing. And I get to do it wherever I want. Uh, but when you're famous, the expectation, uh, and I talked about this like with Dan Fogelberg and Chris Christopherson, many of the people I've known, the expectation then becomes you. And they no longer are seeing you. No longer do they want you. Or as Mick Jagger said, they never want you to play a song off your new album. So I don't have that to a great degree, but now that Deb and I have been around here in the high and low desert in California, Palm Springs and Joshua Tree, uh, we've become really well-known, and we kind of have that problem, uh, especially me. I, I go places around here, or I play in any band or with any act, and now there's people who go, hey, I heard you do this. Why don't you do that again? Or people will write me uh, who were fans of the knobs in the 80s and say, hey, I don't have a recording of this song or that song. Can you get me a record of that? So I have somewhat of it, but I've never had it to the level of somebody who's really famous. Well, it might still be tough to go to the supermarket if I'm you. I don't know, Brad Parker. <laughs> <laughs> up in up in the high desert, maybe. But I think Deb's got more of it than me in, in the veterinary circles because she's a oh, superstar. Oh, yes, she medicine. is. So I was going to get to that. So here's the confusing thing or the little... I mean, we all have many interests in lives. I don't know that I've known a lot of people, Dr. Deb Greco, that have succeeded, excelled like you in two completely different realms. You are <laughs> you are a veterinary, you're right, uh, you're right to say superstar, because I know Brad Parker, 
Dr. Greco is a veterinary superstar. For example, one example, and there are others. If you happen to have a cat with diabetes, we understand that today (laughs) because of Dr. Greco's research when she was at Colorado State University. On the other hand, while she's researching during the day, I suppose playing ukulele and gigs at night, how, how, do you, how do you balance these two very different lives, Dr. Greco? Well, it's, it's, I always loved music and art. And my dad, who was a scientist, he was a physicist, actually. And he said, you know what? That's great. You can do that when you retire. So that's what I decided to do. I'll excel in science. Pleased my dad. Got that done. Now I'm married to Brad, and I have somebody to play music with. And so I said, oh, great, this is fabulous. I'm going to do what I always wanted to do. Well, the thing is, you're far from retired, is what I happen to know. So (laughs) the new CD is called No Solution, and I listened. I don't know. I'm thinking it's like... If if I didn't know this was a new CD, I would have thought 1970s, 1960s rock and roll kind of all mashed together. It is fun, <laughs> good time music. Am I insulting you or have I got it right, Brad? Oh, no, you've got it right. It's a retrospective and uh, what is on the record are songs that were written from 1970 to probably 81 and recorded from 80 to 83. Uh, and it does go from Teen Spirit, which you notice on the cover, there's uh, a Corvette. It's actually Dev's Corvette, which uh, 59, which represents the Teen Spirit, but it's in front of a burnt-out building, uh, well, abandoned building uh, by the Salton Sea here in California with all the graffiti on it, which represents, because of all the chemicals in the Salton Sea, the largest inland lake in America, is full of chemicals. So it's the end of the world. Uh, but not necessarily by an atom bomb, but just by the way we've treated the planet. So it has a kind of an arc from ha ha ha, yay, teen spirit, uh, rock and roll, to more like the doors, the end. <laughs> well, <laughs> <And> it, yeah. <laughs> so, so and it finishes up with Mystic Eyes by uh, Van Morrison and probably Helen Wolf originally, which is we're going down to the graveyard. So it's a, it's yes, you're right. It has all of that sixties and seventies, seventies. Music, but uh, as a former member of the Haight-Ashbury, an original hippie, part of what we were dealing with was, what if they drop the bomb and it's all over? How has that changed today? So today, uh, music is very different, but in some ways the world, I'd argue, Brad, really isn't. So we don't have hippies around anymore. Sorry about that. However, Mm -hmm. we, we do have millions and millions of people in America that have the same sort of perspective, if you will, particularly young people? Well, that's where Deb came in, because we met when she was in uh, vet school in Davis in 1980, and uh, only were able to, through all the machinations of our life, get together a few years ago, uh, 2015. But she was the one that said to me and my brothers, you know, this work, this body of work, these songs that have never been released, they have this moral arc in them. They have this thing that we all went through back in the day from teen spirit to the end of the world. And we, I feel that the world needs to hear your version of it. And so we agreed with her, and we went about doing this record. And you're right, Steve. You, you identified everything that's in it. Uh, 
And it's not a downer, but it is a question. It's a moral question of what do we do with the planet, which was something Earth Day and all these things came from the hippie um, wondering of, well, where do we go from here? And Deb said, no, you need to put it out there and let other people share it. Well, and you did put it out there. The question is, how do you, uh, aside from radio interviews like this, that you're lucky enough to get on WGN, but if you're an artist that's sort of in in the middle, in between, so no offense, but you're not Cher, you're not Michael Bolton, you're not that kind of name. On the other hand, you're always working musicians. I mean, you, you guys... I mean, there's no doubt about your credibility, but when you're in the middle somewhere today, how do you market yourselves so people can hear the kind of music that you say, okay, we have a message, we we want to have people have a good time here, but they can't if they don't hear the music in the first place. So today, in 2023, how does that get done? And I want to hear about some of the people you worked with. We can do that. We will do that when we come back right here on WGN. The name of the CD, again, is No Solution, No BS. I think I can say that on the radio. That's the name of the group. (laughs) I think I can. Oh, unfortunately, we're not going to hear the best part of this tune, actually. (laughs) But that'll motivate people, I'm sure, to check out No Solution. That is the CD from the group, No BS. I'm talking with Deb Greco uh, and Brad Parker of that group. Brad, you've been a songwriter as well as a performer up on stage, vice president of the National Academy of Songwriters. Uh, where do you get the idea? I mean, do you wake up in the middle of the night and say, I've, I've talked to many songwriters over the years, and uh, they tell me that it is writing the most... If you can do Twitter, you can write a song because everything is condensed. Those are my words, not the other songwriters. But that's the essence. I th- is that the essence of it? It, it really is. It's uh, poetry. And as I once told oh, a therapist of mine, I was going to be a philosopher and a poet when I was growing up, but I found that there weren't any jobs for philosophers and poets in America. <laughs> so I became a songwriter and performing musician because I could use both of those things in what I was doing. And as a songwriter, you're really writing poetry. Uh, even if it's off the cuff, like a rapper, you're just, it's still, you have to condense it. And what I do, and Deb can tell you this, I'm always writing uh, notes. If I, something comes to my mind lyrically, or if a melody comes, I get my phone and I turn on the voice memo. And I have lots of what we call in the business a start. A start is a beginning idea for a song. Like I have one now, it goes with your introduction. Um, it's called that I'm working on. It's called all my heroes are unknown except to me. Ah. And I'm working on building a song around that. So if you come up, that's brilliant. So if you come up with just one line, somehow, mm-hmm. some way at the supermarket that I alluded to earlier, there you are, you're, yeah. you're squeezing the grapefruit and somehow you come up <laughs> with an amazing line about life. I don't know. If I squeeze hard enough, my life gets better. I don't know. Uh, This clearly explains why I am not a songwriter. But if you come up with with something, then you could build a whole tune around that. Is that often how it goes? It does. Um, Got a call uh, once from uh, Barry Mann, uh, famous songwriter, Man and Wild, who's... Uh, wife, wonderful woman, Cynthia Wilde, died just recently here. 
But they wrote the songbook for our life, songs like On Broadway and all these great songs. And I met him on a songwriter venture to Russia, and he said, I've got this song that's very modern, and I don't have lyrics. I was wondering if you could help me with the lyrics. So um, I came, and my ex was also a writer, and we were writing with him, and he said, what do we do, what do we do? And I said, how about uh, I listen to your music? It reminds me of One Small Step. And he goes, what? I said, you know, when the guy landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong, and he said, one small step for me, one giant leap for mankind. He said, why? I said, because mu- this music sounds like you're going further into life and into space. <laughs> and so that takes a leap of faith, takes that one small step. We started writing it from there, just this thing, uh, this idea. And eventually another friend of ours who had gotten a song that we wrote with, uh, uh, recorded by a heavy metal band named Hurricane, and it became a hit on Headbangers Ball. And uh, she knew Cher. She took the song to Cher and her producer, Peter Asher. Cher liked it because she thought it was a workout song, you know, like an exercise thing. Like in those days, they had the step thing. Sure. And uh, she, she thought it was a workout song. She didn't know it was about going back into space as humanity. And where I got it from was in 1969, I was at the Oyster Bar at Pascal's Manali in New Orleans. When we were watching an old black and white TV, Neil Armstrong Armstrong lands on the moon, and I never forgot one small step. So here, that one phrase came through all my life, went through this songwriting with a very famous songwriter. It was recorded by a very famous performer. And all I have to tell people is, yeah, I got a song recorded by Cher. And they think, oh, wow, you must be famous. No, what it was is we wrote a song out of my memory and Barry's work on the music that spoke to her and that's how it got done is it random yeah a lot of it's random well but that's how it goes that's okay that's not a bad thing so i'm curious from both both of you uh brad i'll let you go first but dr greco i want to hear from you too who are the songwriters and lyricists that you think you speak to more than any others or who have had more influence, not only to you, but in your lives? Uh, For me, the songwriters, of course, there's the ones you grow up with as a teenager. Like I was saying, Man and Wild, uh, Goffin and King, Lennon and McCartney. So, Jerry, uh, let me back up a little bit. Jerry Goffin and Carol King is who you mean. Lennon and McCartney, I think people know. And what was the next one? Uh, Man and Wild, Barry Man and Cynthia Wild. Sure. And then Jagger and Richards. I've heard of them as well. How about for you, Deb? And, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I probably have to say, um, first and foremost, Joni Mitchell. Mm. And then um, probably go back further in, because my father's family is from Louisiana. I also heard a lot of Lightning Hopkins and um, the old blues men, Bo Diddley, um, you know, the, the people from the Mississippi Delta Blues. And when I was an intern, I used to go to this place in Baton Rouge. It was a dive bar called Tabby's Blues Box. And I was able to see some of these old blues guys, this was in the early 80s, you know, that they passed away soon after that. But I was able to actually see them at that club. So for me, that I love that kind of music, New Orleans music and um, blues. And over the years, let I me know add to that, Steve. Go ahead. If, just some, if you don't mind, uh, I started out with those songwriting teams I was talking about. Uh-huh. But in 
my late teens when I went to Austin, Texas to go to college in 68, like Deb, I saw these artists I'd never heard of on the radio before, like uh, Big Joe Williams, Big Mama Thornton, this uh, Lightning Hopkins, Freddie McDowell, all of these African-American artists that had made the music that inspired the people I'm talking about. And it was a, it was a real revelation. And then I ended up in the Haight-Ashbury, where I saw more even old-time artists, Bill Monroe and all these people, because Bill Graham, in those days, he put on almost any artist. And I also heard these jazz artists, so... All of a sudden, there was a whole new world of music that came from the blues, that came from the Delta, where Deb's family's from. And in fact, next week on the show, we'll be talking to St. Aubin. He is a, a Broadway performer, so you guys may not know him. But he's starring now in Chicago in the Lloyd Price story. And in the show, oh. <laughs> yeah, in the show at the Studebaker Theater, a part of the show refers to how not only Lloyd Price's music, but... Other performers ranging from Little Richard to, I, I don't know, of that era, African-American performers, their songs were borrowed by Elvis and by Pat Boone and others. Nothing against Elvis by any means, or Pat Boone even, uh, but it became white milk, so to speak, but more palatable to the general public. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. I do, and uh, um, the only way I got out of it uh, was uh, we were performing once this, this band, No BS, we opened for Bo Diddley. And wow. we played the song No Solution that you had at uh, uh, the queue to start the show. Yeah. And a bunch of blues, uh, old blues songs at a very high tempo and whatnot. And when I walked off the stage, out of the dark appeared Bo. And he grabbed my hand and he said, man, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you got it. Now, don't lose it. So that transmission of true black music versus the whitening up that you were talking about, Uh somewhere along the line, I must have absorbed it to have a guy like Bo Diddley tell me that I had the same thing he did. Wow, that is incredible. Dr. Greco, there you are at a veterinary meeting. You're talking about uh, cats require more hydration than we ever previously presumed. Do people know... Do people know that you have this whole other life where you're a star? <laughs> uh, yeah, they do. Um, it, the last lecture I gave, I mean, it depends on the audience. I won't tell everybody when I'm speaking, but sometimes I will. And since we were at Jazz Fest, then I knew that all the veterinarians that were there were there to hear the, the music of New Orleans, right? So in that instance, I said, look, we're putting out this new album, I produced it, and all this stuff. And they were like, at least, I would say, half of the people at that conference. So there may be 80 veterinarians. So 40 veterinarians afterwards came up to me and said, i like to get an album, and could you do, like, they were songwriters, too. So in the veterinary profession, I don't know if you know this, and it's true of the medical profession as well, is that there is a connection between medicine and music. And there are a lot of veterinarians that play in bands, write songs, um, you know, are, are very talented. So like Kevin Fitzgerald, sure. he used to work for the, um, the Stones as a bouncer. But he, he plays bass, he plays guitar, as well as doing comedy. So, you know, there are veterinarians, um, for some reason... There is a lot of musical talent in that profession. There is. Listen, I've got to jump to a newscast here, except I need to say, Brad Parker, 
Dr. Deb Greco. Thank you so much. No BS is the name of the group. No solution found wherever you can get CDs or want to get CDs. Thank you very much, guys.